The Cincinnati Bengals are going on the road to face the Cleveland Browns on Thursday Night Football. Now, both of these two teams lost their week one matchups. The Cincinnati Bengals lost the heartbreaker to the Los Angeles Chargers. And the game that was really close wasn't really a whole lot of scoring. And the Bengals on the last drive had a lot of things that didn't go their way. I mean, you had the touchdown by A.J. Green that got called back due to offensive pass interference. Then, for Cincinnati to tie the game up and send the game into overtime, that didn't happen either because their kicker missed the game-time field goal. So, then you got the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, I mean, they were the complete opposite. The Bengals game against the Chargers was close. The Browns game against the Baltimore Ravens wasn't close at all. And they really struggled. I mean, the defense didn't play well, and the offense really struggled. And, I mean, I know a lot of people are going to be quick to call the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield overrated and say that this is not a good team. But I've been telling people this all offseason. When you have a new head coach and you have your players learning a new system, you can't really expect them to do well week one with the conditions that they will face to work with this offseason. I mean, due to the pandemic that's going on, teams didn't really have a lot of time to prep. So, I mean, you're looking at the Cleveland Browns who only really had about three to four weeks to, you know, go on the field and learn their playbook and try to master as many plays as possible. So, I mean... It's not really all that surprising that the offense kind of came out flat week one. So you look at the Cleveland Browns in this game, you're going to be facing a Cincinnati Bengals defense that isn't as good as Baltimore's defense, but they're really good up front. Now, Geno Atkins didn't play week one against the L.A. Chargers. Now, I don't know if he's going to play in this game or not, but it's going to be interesting to find out if he does play in this game because I think Geno Atkins could have a really significant impact if he plays in this game for the Cincinnati Bengals for the fact that the Cleveland Browns like to run the football a lot. And if you got Geno Atkins there paired up with DJ Reader, it's going to make it even more difficult for the Cleveland Browns to have success running the football. And then when you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, Joe Burrow struggled against the Chargers secondary. Like aside from that rushing touchdown that he had early on in that game, he really struggled, which wasn't really all that surprising to me because you got to look, the L.A. Chargers, even though they don't have Durant James, still had a really good secondary. So Joe Burrow had a really tough rookie debut ahead of him going against that L.A. Chargers secondary. And then on top of that, the offensive line, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great neither. And offensive tackle Bobby Hart, I mean, he was pretty much a liability in that game for the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, he he was pretty much the worst offensive lineman on the field. So he really struggled in that matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers. But you do have a Bengals team that was able to run the football last week. And they should have a pretty good amount of success running the football against the Cleveland Browns defense. Because the Cleveland Browns, the weakness is their lack of depth and their lack of talent at the linebacker position. And you look at what happened against Baltimore. Baltimore wasn't, you know, gashing on Cleveland in the running game because they didn't really have to. They were able to do whatever they really wanted to, if we're being honest. So you look at Cincinnati, a team that has success running the football against the Los Angeles Chargers, I think they should have a pretty easy time having success running the football with Joe Mixon against the Cleveland Browns. Because like I said, the Cleveland Browns defense line isn't all that amazing. Aside from Miles Garrett and their linebacker unit, 
isn't all that great neither, especially with the fact that they're missing one of their best linebackers in Mac Wilson. So you got this Browns defense that couldn't stop the Ravens last week. I mean, Lamar was 20 or 25 passing for 275 passing yards and three touchdowns. So, I mean, this Browns defense needs to come out and be able to get the job done against Joe Burrow. And give it all credit, you know, this Cincinnati Bengals offense, they're not as great as the Baltimore Ravens offense is. But just because they're not as good as the Ravens offense, that doesn't mean the Browns defense can just come on here and, you know, just sleep on them. Because this is a Cincinnati Bengals offense that, despite the fact that they are having a rookie quarterback and he's still trying to get his feet wet in the NFL, this is still a Bengals offense that could torture you if... You give Joe Burrow enough time in the pocket. Because Joe Burrow against the LA Chargers, although he did struggle, he had some really nice plays as well. And if he would have had a little bit more time to throw in the pocket, he probably could have had a lot better of a rookie debut. So, I mean, if you're the Cleveland Browns defense, man, you got to be able to stop this run game and you have to force the Cincinnati Bengals to win the game throwing the football. Because early on, I don't think the Bengals and Zach Taylor are trying to put a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow early on this season, given the fact that we haven't really had a preseason and it wasn't really a lot of time to prepare in the offseason. So week one was still kind of like a filling out process. Joe Burrow is still trying to learn the NFL game. He's still trying to get acclimated to the speed of the NFL. So you look at the Cleveland Browns, you got to be able to stop this run game and force the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game throwing the football. Because you let Cincinnati run the football, then I think that's where this defense is going to end up being in a lot of trouble. And this Browns offense going into week two, I still think this Browns offense is going to struggle because simply for the fact that they still don't really look like they have all that much timing and chemistry down. And they still don't really look like they have all that much knowledge of the playbook, really. So if you are the Cleveland Browns offense, in this game, you're still looking to gain more chemistry and get better timing between Baker Mayfield and these wide receivers. Because I understand how it's easy to call the Browns overrated because they got blowed out by the Baltimore Ravens. But I mean, the Baltimore Ravens is one of the best teams in the NFL this year. So, I mean, you can't really come out week one and expect this offense to light it up with a short training camp, not really having a lot of time to prep, on top of playing the juggernaut of a Baltimore Ravens defense. So, I mean, if you're the Cleveland Browns in this game, I still think they may come out flat. But in this game, they still need to try to develop some more timing and get some chemistry down with these wide receivers. And they should be able to do that because it's Cincinnati Bengals secondary at least from the cornerback position, still isn't all that great. Now, the safety position with Von Bell and Jesse Bates is really solid. But the cornerback position for Cincinnati, I'm still up in the air about it. So if there was a game for the Cleveland Browns to get in rhythm on offense, this probably would be the game. So the team I'm taking to win this game, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals to win this game. And... Here's why I'm going to take Cincinnati to win this game. I still don't think Cleveland is further enough on offense 
to still be able to score enough points needed to win this game. And given I don't think this game is going to be all that high scoring, but I do think the Cincinnati Bengals are further along offensively than the Cleveland Browns are. Like, the Cleveland Browns just look completely out of sorts against the Baltimore Ravens. And I know the Baltimore Ravens are a really talented team and things like that, but I still think if you were to swap places with the Bengals and the Browns last week, I feel like the Cincinnati Bengals would have had a better showing against the Baltimore Ravens than the Cleveland Browns did. Because the Cleveland Browns were just all kinds of out of sorts. They just couldn't get nothing going on offense besides running the football. So, I mean, I think that Cincinnati is going to end up winning this game. I know Browns fans are probably going to be upset with that. But I just think that the Cincinnati Bengals are just further along more on offense than the Cleveland Browns are. And also on top of that, I just think that the Bengals' defense as of right now is better than the Cleveland Browns' defense. I mean, the Cleveland Browns' defense, I just don't trust their linebackers, and I really don't like the interior of their defensive line. So I'm going to take the Bengals to win this game. I think Cincinnati wins this game 20-13. to 14 is going to be my final score prediction in this game because I don't think this game is going to be all that high scoring but at the same time I think Cincinnati comes out and they get the win because I just don't think Cleveland is further enough offensively to score enough points needed to win this game and although it's not going to be a lot of points needed to win this game I just trust the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit more than I trust the Cleveland Browns based on their week one showing against the Chargers and I know the Ravens are a better team than the Chargers that's a team that the Cleveland Browns ended up losing to but it's just that when you look at that game if you were to swap places and you just put the Cincinnati Bengals in that game versus the Baltimore Ravens I feel like they could have did a little bit more better and performed a little bit well on offense than what the Cleveland Browns were able to do. So I'm taking Cincinnati win this game. 20 to 14 is my final score prediction in this matchup. The Philadelphia Eagles are going to be at home facing off against the Los Angeles Rams. Now, the Rams are coming off of a controversial victory against the Dallas Cowboys last week on Sunday Night Football in a game that they won 20 to 17. And the Philadelphia Eagles are coming off of a really surprising upset defeat against the Washington football team, which they lost 27-17. Now, if you are an Eagles fan, you're hoping that Miles Sanders plays in this game. Because the Philadelphia Eagles really needed Miles Sanders last week when they lost to Washington. And I told a lot of people going into that game that if Philadelphia wasn't able to run the football, I feel like they had a good chance of losing that game. And the reason being is because Philadelphia's off the line isn't great. They have several guys who are out due to injuries. And when you're facing the Washington football team defensive line, that debatably is either the number one or the second best defensive line in the NFL, if you're not able to be balanced on offense, your offensive line is going to struggle. And it was evident last week because they gave up eight sacks. Now, if you're an Eagles fan... I don't think you have to be all that concerned about the offensive line play for the majority of the season because, listen, I don't think this offensive line is going to be bad to the point it's constantly giving up five, six sacks every single week and Carson Wentz is going to be running for his life. Like, I don't think the offense for Philadelphia is going to get to that point. You got to understand something. If you're an Eagles fan, you had a bang up offensive line going against probably one of the best defensive lines in the NFL in Washington. And I was expecting Washington's defensive line to have a major impact on that game. Now, was I expecting them to have eight sacks? No. 
But I did feel they was going to have a pretty good time getting pressure on Carson Wentz. And if you're Philadelphia, if you want to win this game versus the Rams, you know you got to have some kind of a running game. Because that Los Angeles Rams defensive line last week against Dallas, in my opinion, was really impressive, despite the fact that they didn't get a lot of sacks on Dak Prescott, just because of how good the Dallas Cowboys offensive line is. But even then, although they didn't have a lot of sacks, they still were getting a good amount of consistent pressure on Dak Prescott. So, as an Eagles fan, I don't think this offensive line is going to be that bad. It's not going to be great, but I don't think it's going to be terrible. I mean, last week, you were facing a really good defensive line in Washington. And, you know, when you're facing a team like Washington that has that kind of talent up front, having the offensive line that isn't fully healthy is going to cause a lot of issues. Because when you're facing a team with that kind of talent on their defensive line, you got to be fully healthy. So in this game, Miles Sanders needs to come back. And if he doesn't come back, then their chance of winning this game are going to be really going down the ropes. And Carson Wentz, he kind of fizzled out in this game. Like, Philadelphia's offense started out hot last week. And then they had a couple of turnovers, which really kind of dictated the outcome of the game. So if you're Philadelphia, you can't lose the game yourself. And that's one of the biggest things when it comes to winning games in the NFL. You can't win a lot of games if you turn the football over like Philadelphia did. I feel like Philadelphia shot themselves in the foot by all of the costly turnovers they had in that game. Now, let's talk about the L.A. Rams. The L.A. Rams, off the line, was really good last week. I mean, this off the line looks like it has bounced back to the form that it was the year they went to the Super Bowl a couple of years back, back in 2018. And I mean, they really held their own against a really good Dallas Cowboys defensive line with Demarcus Lawrence and Everson Griffin. So you're going into this game against the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line that is pretty okay, pretty decent. And I mean, look, the way they were able to run the football with the three halfbacks that they had with Henderson, Miles Brown, or Malcolm Brown, excuse me. I said Miles Brown. Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers was really impressive. Now, Malcolm Brown ended up emerging as the leading rusher in that game. He had 79 rushing yards for two touchdowns. So I think he is the clear front runner as of right now in terms of this halfback rotation for the Rams. Because when you're in a three-headed rotation like this, you got to roll with the hot hand. And the hot hand as of right now is Malcolm Brown. Now, I feel like Cam Akers isn't all too far from him, even though Cam Akers, I feel like he could have did a little bit better in his debut against the Dallas Cowboys, but he wasn't too bad. So the difference between this Rams offense from last year and this year is the fact that they can run the football. And that kind of eased up the pressure on Jared Goff. And it opened up this L.A. Rams offense a lot that they were able to utilize play action. And in this game versus the Philadelphia Eagles, I still don't trust Philadelphia's secondary. Like, I still don't trust Philadelphia's secondary because I feel like their secondary hasn't been tested yet. And I know you guys may be saying, oh, JT, look what we did against Washington. Like, that's Washington. Washington doesn't have the talent that the Los Angeles Rams have the challenge is Philadelphia Eagles secondary. So if you're an Eagles fan, you're going to find out just how much improved your secondary is from last year to this year. And I mean, when you look at this Rams team, this Rams team, 
I think is really good. They looked really impressive. And you're looking at a Philadelphia Eagles team that uh, so right now is kind of on the ropes. They're trying to find answers. Because they had that game against Washington under control. Like, they were blowing them out. I believe it was like 17-0 at one point. Like, I was watching the game. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be wrong about Washington. Because I was really concerned. Because I've been hyping up Washington all this offseason saying, hey, the Washington football team is going to be better than what a lot of you guys think. They may not make it to the playoffs, but they're going to be super Bowl competitive. And I see Philadelphia Eagles putting the beats on them early. I'm like, oh, God, they're finna get blowed out. And then Washington comes back. They have a pretty nice drive before the end of the half. And then they get a couple of turnovers on defense. And they were able to win the game. So, I mean, you look at Philadelphia. I feel like Philadelphia lost that game due to shooting themselves in the foot. And if Miles Sanders would have played in that game, the offensive line was fully healthy, then I think Philadelphia probably would have won that game. But that didn't happen. The offensive line still isn't healthy. And we still don't really know the status of Miles Sanders as of the time I'm recording this. So, I mean... You look at the Rams and you look at this defense, the defensive line was really good. Now, the secondary, eh, the secondary, I don't think the secondary played bad, but I don't think the secondary played great against Dallas. I felt they could have did a little bit more better. So, the team that I'm taking to win this game, I got to take the LA Rams to win this game. I think as of right now, I just think that Philadelphia is going to kind of start the season out slow, like what they did last year. Philadelphia really started 2019 out slow, and then they ended up closing out the season really strong. And I think that kind of is going to be the similar fate this season for the Philadelphia Eagles. Because of right now, I think the Philadelphia Eagles are kind of out of sorts, okay? Like, I think it's going to take them a while to get back into the flow of the NFL. I don't really know what to expect from the defense. And the offense, quite frankly, I don't really have a lot of confidence in it right now. You got Carson Wentz and everything. But, I mean, I still don't really know how I feel about the Eagles as of right now. I think the Philadelphia Eagles are still trying to find themselves. They're still trying to get their identity on the offense. And there's still a lot of moving parts, especially with that offensive line. That offensive line is going against a really good defensive line with the L.A. Rams. So, I mean, I got to take the L.A. Rams to win this game. I think the Rams win this game 27-24 to 24 is my final score prediction in this game. So, I mean, I think Philadelphia can win this game, but I just don't really have a lot of confidence in Philadelphia right now. It's just early on in the season, and the way that they lost against Washington, like, they just really shot themselves in the foot, and their off the line really got exploited, okay? Now, like I said earlier, I don't think that their off the line is going to be completely terrible. I don't think it's going to be bad, but I don't think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be average because you're not going to be facing a lot of defensive lines built like Washington, okay? But in this game, I just got to take the Rams to win this game because I just have a little bit more faith in the Rams than I do with the Philadelphia Eagles. Like, the Rams looked really impressive on both sides of the football last week and that win against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, although it was a controversial win against the Cowboys, it still is a W nonetheless. So, I mean, I got to take the Rams to win this game against the Philadelphia Eagles on the road in Philadelphia. The Detroit Lions are going to be on the road facing the Green Bay Packers. The Detroit Lions are coming off a loss versus the Chicago Bears, 27-23. And the Green Bay Packers are coming off of a win versus the Minnesota Vikings, 43-34. Now, if you are the Detroit Lions, your season has already gotten off to a pretty bad start 
You blow a lead to the Chicago Bears to Mitchell Trubisky in the fourth quarter where he just goes absolutely ballistic. And a big reason for Mitchell Trubisky going crazy in the fourth quarter was because of the Lions' two best cornerbacks getting injured during that game, Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman. So we don't even know if Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman are even going to play this week versus the Green Bay Packers. Now, Jeff Okuda, don't really know if he's going to play in this game neither. You're hoping that if you are a Detroit Lions fan that Jeff Okuda does play in this game. But I mean, listen, man, this season has already gotten off to a pretty bad start for the Detroit Lions. And when you look at how they lost that game, I mean, everybody deserves a good amount of blame. I feel like Matthew Stafford could have played a little bit better. I feel like um, DeAndre Swift deserves a good amount of blame as well because he dropped the game winning touchdown and then... The Detroit Lions secondary was just berated by injuries during the game. But, I mean, even then, if you are a Detroit Lions fan, there's still no excuse to get carved up by Mr. Trubisky in a full quarter like that. Like, I don't care who's injured. Like, if you're Matt Patricia, you are a defensive-minded coach. The NFL isn't just all about talent. The NFL is a chess game. And a lot of people don't realize this. You see, in chess, you may lose a couple of your pieces, but depending on the player, you can still win a game even if your opponent has more chess pieces than you. It's all about strategy. It's all about making adjustments. In the NFL, not every team is going to be able to stay fully healthy. Every team has to battle through injuries. Just like chess. You may lose a couple of chess pieces, but you still have to keep on going and you still have a chance to win the game. And for Matt Patricia, you just have that big of a lead. I just, I don't really care who gets injured? Like, when you have that significant amount of a lead, you have to be able to hold on to it. And this isn't the first time that the Detroit Lions have blue leads like this. Like, it's crazy because week one last year, they did the same thing in the loss against the Arizona Cardinals. So, I mean, if you're the Detroit Lions, I don't want to hear no excuses. I don't care who got injured. You should have won that game. You had a game within reach. It was no reason to give up that big of a lead against Mitchell Trubisky. Like, come on, man. Mitchell freaking Trubisky. So you were going to be facing a Green Bay Packers offense that was in high gear last week against the Minnesota Vikings. Like, Aaron Rodgers played last week against the Vikings defense like he has something to prove. And Devontae Adams lit up that Minnesota Vikings secondary, which I had a lot of questions about going into that game. And, I mean, if you're the Detroit Lions, man, you're hoping at least one of the two out of three of these guys can play in this game. So, I mean, I don't really know the word on who's going to be participating in this game, but I'm just hoping, and if you're a Lions fan, you better be praying to God that at least two out of three of these players are able to play. You're at least hoping that either Desmond Trufant or Jeff Okuda is able to play in this game or Jeff Okuda or Justin Coleman is able to play in this game because if not, this defense is going to be in a lot of trouble. And I mean, didn't Detroit have like the similar fate last year where they were battling injuries in the secondary, if I'm not mistaken? So, I mean, if you're Detroit, man, you're in a really tough spot. So if you're Matt Patricia, what is the game plan? And I think the game plan has to be running the football. And with Adrian Peterson last week, he was really impressive. Like Adrian Peterson just never seems to keep on stopping amazing me. Like this dude had 93 rushing yards last week. And I don't know what it is with this dude. Like, this dude just does not seem to age. Father Tom cannot stop Adrian Peterson. So if you're the Detroit Lions, you need to be able to run the football. I think you need to control time possession and keep 
your defense on the sideline as long as humanly possible because your defense is going to need all the breaks that they're going to need to win this game versus the Green Bay Packers. You need to keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline and make sure you keep your defense on the sideline as well so you can get them as much rest as possible. Then, on the defense side of the football, you need to be able to get a good pass rush on Aaron Rodgers. Like, the Detroit Lions weren't able to really get all that much pressure on Mitchell Trubisky last week. And the Chicago Bears off the line, either they're really good or either the Detroit Lions still can't get pressure on the quarterback. But if Detroit wants to win this game, you got to be able to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. You see, I have a saying, the best secondary is a good defensive line. If you have a good defensive line, that's going to help out your secondary a lot because then the quarterback isn't going to have all day to throw the football. Your defensive backs aren't going to have to cover that much or they're not going to have to cover for that long. So if you're Matt Patricia, I don't know what you got to do to help out your secondary, but I think it all starts with trying to create and get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, whether that means blitzing or whatever you got to do. But I mean, listen, you have to help out your secondary. The only way you can help out your secondary is by getting pressure on Aaron Rodgers, which all comes down to the defensive line. So if Detroit wants to win this game, I think their recipes for success are running the football, controlling time possession, and keeping Aaron Rodgers off the field as long as possible. Then, if you're the Green Bay Packers, I mean, you're licking your chops in this game because this is a Detroit Lions team that we're not even halfway through the NFL season. Remind you, we are only week two, two weeks into the NFL season for 2020, and Detroit is already ravaged by the injuries. So, if you're Aaron Rodgers in this Green Bay Packers offense, you're licking your chops right now because you're looking at a secondary that potentially is going to be without, at most, Two starters in this game, maybe three. Hopefully, Jeff Okuda plays. But if we're being realistic, I think Jeff Okuda has the best chance of playing out of all the cornerbacks that, you know, are really questionable with their injuries right now. So if you're Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you're looking at your chops. You're going to say, hey, man, this is an opportunity for me to have another great day through the air throwing the football. So, I mean... I think if you are a Green Bay, you do try to run the football, but I don't think you should have all that much issue having success through the air on this Detroit Lions secondary because it's already ravaged by injuries. So, I mean, it's not really a lot of keys to victory for the Green Bay Packers to do, and I know a lot of the Lions fans are going to be like, so basically, JT, all you're saying is that the Green Bay Packers, all they just have to do is, you know, not turn the football over more than two times where the Detroit Lions have to play a perfect football game to win the game. And if you are coming to that conclusion, you're right. Because when you look at the Detroit Lions, I mean, your defense is already ransacked. Your offense, eh? And then, you know, you're facing the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, the Green Bay Packers being the better team, being the more healthier team, they have more room for error than you do. When you're injured and you have a lot of these injuries, your room for error is really small. So, I mean, if you're the Detroit Lions, man, um, hopefully Kenny Galladay plays in this game because Kenny Galladay, I feel like Detroit really missed him last week. I feel like it was a couple of throws that Matthew Stafford really could have used Kenny Galladay. But all in all, man, if Detroit wants to win this game, uh, they're going to have to run the football control time possession, keep Aaron Rodgers off the field, and hopefully that the Detroit Lions defensive line can actually get a good pass rush on Aaron Rodgers. Because if not, this is going to be another long afternoon for Detroit Lions fans that you're probably going to want to go in your um, laundry room, go ahead and get the bleach out and drink it. So the team I'm taking to win this game, without a doubt, I'm taking the Green Bay Packers to win this game. 
Uh, don't really know what's going to happen with this secondary. Doesn't really look good from an injury standpoint. We don't really even know who's going to play. But at most, I think Jeff Okuda probably has the best chance of playing than Desmond Trufant and Justin Coleman. So I got to take Green Bay to win this game. I think Green Bay wins this game 28-17 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. Because, I mean, this is a Detroit Lions team that is ramsacked with injuries, man. Like, I don't know who has more worse luck with injuries. The Washington football team or the Detroit Lions? Because I don't know who the medical staff is, but whoever the medical staff is up there in Detroit, they need to get fired and they need to replace them and get a new one. Because, I mean, it doesn't make no sense how we're only two weeks in and your best players are already injured. And remind you, the Detroit Lions spent good money to improve this secondary. Desmond Trufant is supposed to have a big role in this defense. But, I mean, if you're Matt Patricia, you're a defensive-minded coach, you better go out there and do something. You better go out and prove to the world why you are a defensive-minded coach. But, I mean, it doesn't really look good for the Detroit Lions, man. So, I mean, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, you're going to be in for a really long afternoon. And, I mean, I'm not hating on the Lions. Like, a lot of people have this narrative that I'm hating on the Lions or anything like that. I'm not hating on the Lions. Like, I told you to win last week versus the Chicago Bears, and you, you let me down. You just let me down like you had the lead. I understand you had some injuries during that game, but it's still no excuse when you have that big of a lead to lose that game. So, I mean, I'm taking the Green Bay Packers to win this game. Uh, if you're a Detroit Lions fan, man, this may be another game that you may have to put a blindfold over your eyes because it may not be pretty. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be at home hosting the visiting Carolina Panthers. Now, the Carolina Panthers lost a really entertaining game to the Las Vegas Raiders, 34-30. And the Tempe Buccaneers are coming off of a loss versus the New Orleans Saints, 34-23. And I feel like a lot of people are overreacting to the Tempe Buccaneers' week one loss against the New Orleans Saints. A lot of people are already quick to say that Tom Brady is washed up and that the Buccaneers are overrated. And let me clear something up. So Tom Brady leaves the New England Patriots in the offseason and joins the Tempe Buccaneers, right? Then he has to learn a new system, a new head coach, a new offense, blah, 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 right? And on top of that, he has no minicamp, no preseason, and only like three to four weeks of training camp. And three to four weeks of training camp isn't enough to completely match the offense and get the chemistry and timing down for your teammates. You see, Tom Brady didn't play all that great versus the New Orleans Saints. He had some mistakes in there. But a lot of mistakes that, you know, Tom Brady, the interception that he threw, a couple of the mistakes and the interceptions all came down to, in my opinion, came down to not really having a lot of chemistry and not really having the timing down with his wide receivers because he hasn't really had a lot of time to practice with this team actually on the field. And I know a lot of you guys are going to be like, oh, JT, what do you call when he was, you know, having those throwing sessions with the wide receivers during the summer? Okay, it's a difference between throwing the football to your wide receivers on air with no pads on and throwing to your wide receivers in a real NFL game with your opponent going 110%. So, I mean, I expected Tom Brady and his Buccaneers offense to struggle early on in that game. That's why I chose the New Orleans Saints to win that game. 
And I think that a lot of people just have the misconception that the Buccaneers just have this talented team. They just expect Tom Brady to go in there and just light it up. It doesn't work like that. Just because you have a talented team doesn't mean you're necessarily just going to come right out the gate. Like, it is a lot of moving parts to winning games in the NFL that a lot of you, you guys don't understand. Well, let me take that back. The average NFL fan wouldn't understand that. If you're an average watcher of the NFL, you think just because a team has all these great players, they're just automatically going to be good. And it's more to that. It's a lot of moving pieces. It's about chemistry. It's about timing. Everything has to come together. I know in sports, we like to think the most talented team is easily going to win, but it takes more than just having talent to win games in the NFL. You got to have the timing and the chemistry down with your teammates. And Tom Brady doesn't really have that quite yet with Tampa. Now, the Carolina Panthers, on the other hand, they played just how I expected them to play. I expected them to be in a shootout with the Las Vegas Raiders, and that's what happened because their defense was just non-existent for the Carolina Panthers. And I chose the Raiders to win that game because I felt like the Raiders' defense would be able to get a critical stop versus the Carolina Panthers' defense not really being able to get a critical stop. And that's why the Panthers lost to the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Teddy Bridgewater played like how we expected Teddy Bridgewater to play. Um, he started the game out just throwing checkdowns right out the gate. Check down here, check down there, check down there. Until he hit Robbie Anderson on a 75-yard bomb that went for a touchdown. So, Teddy Bridgewater played up to my level of expectations. And Chris McCaffrey was going as well. So, I mean, the Carolina Panthers defense was the reason why they lost that game. And the Carolina Panthers defense is the worst defense in the NFL, in my opinion. I mean... This defense is just as bad as I expected it to be. And I know a lot, of camp, a lot of Carolina Panthers fans are going to get upset with that statement, but it is the honest truth. The secondary isn't all that great, although I do like Jeremy Chin. I feel like he played decent. But other than that, everybody didn't really play all that great. And, I mean, it wasn't just the secondary, really. Like, the run defense, in my opinion, was a little bit worse than I expected it to be. Like, I expected their pass defense to be worse than their run defense. I didn't think that their run defense would be worse than their pass defense. Like, Josh Jacobs, I already know that Josh Jacobs is an animal, but golly, man, they could not keep him out of the end zone at all. So, I mean, for the Carolina Panthers in this game, you're going to have your work cut out for you. And if you're Tom Brady and you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, this is the perfect game to kind of get things going in the right direction. Because you're going to be facing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary that isn't great. This defense isn't great. The offense can put up some points. So, I mean, I expect this to be another high-scoring affair. And when you look at Tampa Bay's defense, you're going to be facing the Carolina Panthers offensive line that is a little bit better than what I expected it to be. But I didn't really feel like the Las Vegas Raiders will kind of weren't really able to exploit the offensive line. So I still don't really know how good this offensive line for Carolina is because I need to see them get tested. And I think this game, they're going to get tested because the Buccaneers' defensive line was really impressive, in my opinion, against the New Orleans Saints, especially Jason Pereira-Paul. He was really good. So up front, Tampa Bay's defense is going to cause a lot of havoc for the Carolina Panthers offensively. And this secondary for Timber Bay played, in my opinion, pretty good against New Orleans Saints. Like, they shut down Michael Thomas, although Michael Thomas was hurt, but we don't really know when he got hurt. We don't know if he got hurt during the game or whatever. But anyway, they shut down Michael Thomas. So, I mean, Timber Bay Buccaneers secondary was really impressive, in my opinion, against the New Orleans Saints. Now, what concerns me is the run defense, because they did give up a couple of big runs against New Orleans Saints. So, if you're Carolina... 
I think your best chance of winning this game really is giving the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Now, a lot of the things that Carolina likes to do is just dictate it when it comes to the wide receivers being able to make plays with the ball in their hands. Teddy Bridgewater doesn't just have to air the ball out to win. Like All he just has to do is throw a five-yard slant pass to a wide receiver like Curtis Samuel, and he can just automatically, maybe he could take that to the house for like a 60-yard or 50-yard touchdown or something like that. So I feel like this offense for Carolina is really predicated based on what these wide receivers are able to do after the catch. So if you're Tampa Bay, you got to be able to wrap up. You got to make sure that these wide receivers, once they catch the ball, you bring them down to the ground. Don't be trying to get all fancy, trying to get all these big hits and things like that. Wrap these wide receivers up. Make sure they're not able to do anything after the catch. So the team that I'm taking to win this game, I'm taking Tampa Bay to win this game without a doubt. I think this game is probably going to be another high-scoring affair. If we're being honest, I think Tampa Bay wins this game 31 to 21 or 31 to 20 is going to be my final score prediction in this game because I just don't think Carolina's defense is all that great. I think they have one of the worst defenses in the NFL, and their defense was just as bad as I expected to be going into that game against the Las Vegas Raiders. They weren't really all that great versus the run, which was a little bit disappointing to me because I thought they would be a little bit better. Their pass defense wasn't all that great in my opinion, and I mean... I feel like Tampa Bay, with this talented offense that they have, I feel like this is the game that Tom Brady and Tampa Bay's offense can kind of get things moving in the right direction. Now, even if Tampa Bay wins this game and my prediction is wrong, Tampa Bay still is going to have a long way to go. Like, you just don't have one game and one victory that the offense just, you know, has everything moving and gelling together. Like, it's going to take a couple of weeks. But if you're Tampa Bay, you got to take advantage of this game versus the Carolina Panthers because you're facing a not-so-great defense. So this is your opportunity to kind of figure out things on the offense, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't work, and kind of try to gel. And if you're the Carolina Panthers, I mean, you're hoping that your defense can get a stop in this game. And if you're Carolina, I mean, your defense, one thing that you have going for you on the defense side of the football, if you are a Carolina Panthers fan, is the fact that this is a Tim Bay Buccaneers offense that doesn't really have a lot of chemistry and a lot of rhythm. So that should give you a couple of opportunities to get some turnovers due to mistimed throws that aren't in the right place, wide receivers not fully running their routes. And let's talk about Mike Evans for a second. A big knock that I had on Mike Evans last year was that he doesn't finish routes. Like, he just stops running for some reason. He doesn't run through the ball. And that was a big knock that I had on Mike Evans last year when he was playing with Jameis Winston. Like, a lot of people like to put the blame on Jameis Winston. But a, a couple of interceptions that Jameis Winston threw, Mike Evans just stopped running the route for some reason. We saw that last week um, against New Orleans Saints. Like, he just stopped running. He just stops running on the top of his route for some reason. I don't know what's up with that. But... Yeah, back to my point about the Carolina Panthers defense. Like, if you're the Carolina Panthers, you can get a you have you're gonna have the opportunity to get some turnovers based on miscues and Timber Bay's wide receivers not being in the right place and Tom Brady throwing the ball to where the wide receiver isn't running. So I mean you have the opportunity to get some turnovers in this game, but you have to be able to capitalize off that when those opportunities come. And I just don't really think that Carolina's gonna be able to do that. I think their offense is gonna be able to keep it up, but eventually I think Tim Bay's defense is gonna be able to get some big stops in this game and and I'm going to take Tim Bay to win this game. 31 to 20 is my final score prediction for this game. And like I said, 
Carolina isn't going to get blowed out in this game. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think that Tim Bay should win this game by a pretty decent margin. And like I said, Carolina is going to have the opportunity to get some turnovers on defense because this offense is really out of sorts right now. They're still trying to figure things out. So when you have an offense that's struggling, trying to figure things out, trying to get chemistry and timing down, this is your opportunity to go ahead, try to get some stops on defense, try to get some turnovers. So I'm taking the Buccaneers to win this game, and I'm taking them to win 31-220 is my final score prediction. The Houston Texans are going to be at home hosting the visiting Baltimore Ravens. Now, last week, the Baltimore Ravens steamrolled the Cleveland Browns 38-6. And the Houston Texans lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 34-20. And for the Houston Texans, man, they didn't look good against Kansas City. I mean, the offensive line still looks the same. The offensive line hasn't improved one bit. They gave up four sacks against Kansas City. And if we're being honest, if it wasn't for Deshaun Watson's athleticism and ability to extend plays, he probably got sacked a lot more times. So the offensive line hasn't improved one bit. The offense, the wide receiver position, aside from Will Fuller, uh, you don't really have anything there, really. You had a lot of drop passes. It just wasn't really good. The only positive from Houston's performance on offense against Kansas City Chiefs was David Johnson. David Johnson looked really good. And if the Texans want to win this game against the Baltimore Ravens, David Johnson needs at least 25 to 30 touches in this game. It doesn't matter if he's running the football nor if you're giving it to him in the passing game because it seemed like the only way the Texans could move the ball down the field on Kansas City's defense was by giving the ball to David Johnson. So until Houston's able to figure out their issues on the offensive side of football, for them to win games, they need to heavily rely on David Johnson. Now, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, you basically bullied the Cleveland Browns. I think that's a pretty good word to describe their victory against the Cleveland Browns. They bullied the Cleveland Browns. I mean, Cleveland couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop them on defense. They couldn't stop them offensively. And you look at the Houston Texans, their defense... I mean, we thought, we was fooled by Houston. I mean, after the first quarter of the game versus Kansas City, I was thinking that Houston's defense actually improved. Well, after the first quarter, Kansas City's offense just turned on the Jets, and, I mean, it was no looking back from there. Houston had no answers. And, I mean, Kansas City, I mean, they were really good running the football. And you can tell that Houston really misses DJ Reader. I mean, DJ Reader was one of the best run defenders in the NFL last year. And now he plays for Cincinnati, and we can now tell how important he was to the Texans' defensive line last season. Because Houston seemed like they couldn't stop the run for anything. And I mean, this secondary also wasn't great neither. I mean, Patrick Mahomes lit up this secondary. I mean, the only good takeaway from the Houston Texans' performance on defense was J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt looked phenomenal in this game. And if the Texans want to have any chance of winning this game versus the Ravens, he's going to have to have another good performance. And, I mean, a lot of guys are going to have to step up on this Houston Texans defense if they want to beat Lamar Jackson and his Baltimore Ravens team. Because, listen, if you had a hard time stopping the Kansas City Chiefs offense and you had a hard time stopping their run game, you're going to be in for a whole different animal against the Baltimore Ravens rushing attack. So, I mean... Houston, it doesn't look good for them going into this game. I'm just be honest with you. And when you look at the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens are clicking on all senators and it's only week two of the NFL season. 
And they all really look unstoppable. So for the Ravens, if you want to win this game, I mean, you got to stop David Johnson because David Johnson, as of right now, is the only reliable option that Houston has on offense. Now, you got Will Fuller. I know Will Fuller went for over 100 yards last week, and, you know, he was pretty much their best wide receiver. But other than that, I mean, you got Marlon Humphrey, and you also have Marcus Peters. So, I mean, both of those two cornerbacks should be able to handle Will Fuller. So, I mean, if you take away David Johnson, this Houston Texans offense doesn't really have much at all. And the offensive line isn't great neither. So, Baltimore should have a pretty good day getting pressure on Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson's probably going to be running for his career back there. And if you take away David Johnson, they're going to have a hard time moving the ball down the field because the only reason Houston was able to move the ball down the field against Kansas City was when they were giving the ball to David Johnson. Then, if you're Houston, how do you stop this Ravens offense? Because I think the question in this game is not going to be how the Ravens can beat ball, how the Ravens can beat Houston, but how the Texans can beat Baltimore. Because really, all Baltimore really needs to do is make sure that they don't do anything dumb and they don't turn the football over, and they should win this game. But if you're Houston, it's a little bit more complicated. Because if you're Houston, you got to be able to stop this run game, which already is pretty tough because not only do you have to account for Lamar Jackson, but you also got to account for J.K. Dobbins and Ingram. Then also, how are you going to start Mark Andrews? How are you going to stop Hollywood Brown? There's just so many pieces that Houston has to be able to account for defensively if they want to be able to stop this Ravens offense. So, I mean, if you're Houston, to give your shot a chance, to give your team a chance, I mean... I think it all starts on the line of scrimmage. I mean, you got to have speed on the outside. You have to be able to contain Lamar Jackson. Keep him inside. Don't let him get to the outside. Don't let the Ravens run any outside runs. Make sure that if they run outside, you're able to contain those outside runs because that was really why Houston's defense struggled last week. They really struggled against Kansas City when it came to those outside runs. And, I mean, they also struggled inside as well, but I think Kansas City did more damage running to the outside then they did running inside with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So, I mean, Houston has to be able to stop the run game, and I don't really have a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to do so. I mean, they weren't able to stop Kansas City's rush attack, which Kansas City isn't even a running football team. I mean, I think Kansas City still likes to throw the football a lot, but I think all the reason why they ran the football that much was because Houston just couldn't stop it. So, I mean, you're looking at Kansas City, and you're like, hey, Houston can't stop the run. We might as well just keep running it down their throats. So, I mean... You struggled to stop the run for Kansas City, and now you got to face the Ravens, which probably is the best running football team in the National Football League. So if you're Houston, if I had to give you guys, or if I'm the head coach for Houston, and I'm Bill O'Brien, I had to come out with a game plan of how to stop this Ravens team and how to win this game. It's going to start offensively by, one, giving the ball to David Johnson because he looks like he's the only guy on this Houston Texans offense as of right now that you can actually trust. So you got to find ways to get David Johnson the ball, line him out wide, hand him the football off, throw him some screen passes. I mean, you got to put David Johnson everywhere. David Johnson just needs to get the ball in his hands. David Johnson needs at least 25 to 30 touches in this game if Houston wants to have a chance of winning. Then... Can this offensive line at least, you know, protect Deshaun Watson just a little bit? Can Deshaun Watson just get a little bit of a pass protection in this game? Or whatever you want to call it? Like, can Houston's offensive line just only allow two sacks? I mean, it's sad that I have to give the Houston Texans offensive line 
a minimum sack goal, but I see it seems like that's what has to happen. It seems like the only way this offensive line you can be all satisfied with their play is by giving yourself more victories. So if Houston's offensive line can only allow two sacks in this game, I think this offense should have a better performance this game against the Baltimore Ravens than it did against Kansas City. So this offensive line needs to only allow two sacks. So the two keys on the offense, offensive line only has to allow two sacks, and David Johnson needs at least 25 to 30 catches or 35 to 25 to 30 touches in this game. Then on the defense side of the football, I mean, the defense is a little bit more harder to come up with a game plan on how to stop this Ravens offense than it is for the Houston Texans to figure out how they can have success on the offense. So, I mean, if you're trying to stop this Ravens offense, I mean, your best chance is, you know, going to church putting your hands on the Bible, saying a prayer with some holy oil on you, and saying, Dear Heavenly Father, can you please give us the keys to stopping this Ravens offense? Because it, I really don't think of a good solution of how the Texans really can. Because it's like, if you take away Mark Andrews, then you got to worry about Hollywood Brown. Then you take away Hollywood Brown, then you got to worry about Mark Andrews. So, I mean, your best bet, really, is to try to stop the pass game Key in on the pass game, try to stop the pass, try to double team Mark Andrews, do whatever you got to do to take Mark Andrews out of the game. Because if there was, if you had to choose between who you had to stop, Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews, I think the better option would be trying to key in to stop Mark Andrews because Mark Andrews still is the primary target in this offense. So take away Mark Andrews and then go from there. So you take Mark Andrews out of the game, then you got to deal with Hollywood Brown. So, take away Mark Andrews, then try to figure out how you can stop Hollywood Brown. Then, once you do that, uh, you got to be able to stop this rushing attack for Baltimore, which is easier said than done because they have a really good offensive line, and they have Lamar Jackson, who they pretty much have four halfbacks on their roster, really, that you have to account for. I mean, you got Ingram, you got Dobbins, and you also got to include Lamar Jackson as well. So, I mean, if you're Houston... I think you have to try to really, I don't really know what you can do to stop this Ravens rushing attack. So, I mean, if you're Houston, you got to be able to win up front. And the good thing is you got J.J. Watt. J.J. JJ Watt looked really good in that game against Kansas City Chiefs last week. So, I mean, I don't really know really what the Texans can do defensively to stop this Ravens offense. But I think the pretty obvious thing they can do is they can go to church and they can pray to God. I think that can help them. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I don't really know what they can do to stop this Ravens offense. So the team I'm taking to win this game, I'm taking Baltimore to win this game. I think Baltimore is going to dominate Houston. I think Baltimore wins this game 38-14 to 14 or 38-17 to 17 is going to be my final score prediction in this game. I think Houston probably could score 24 points in this game because, you know, in the fourth quarter, the game's probably going to be over. Baltimore is probably going to take the foot off the pedal a little bit. So I think Baltimore probably could win this game 38-24 to 24, um, because they allow Houston to score some points in the fourth quarter with the game pretty much being all but decided. But I don't think this game is going to be all that close. Houston looks out of sorts. They can't move the ball on the offense. The only way they moved the ball on offense last week against Kansas City was with David Johnson. So, I mean, if Houston wants to win this game, it all starts with David Johnson. They need to give the ball to David Johnson. Like I said, he needs 25 to 30 touches in this game. And this defense has to figure out a way to stop this Ravens offense, which is easier said than done. So, I'm taking Baltimore to win this game, 38 to 24.